This is the Bad Reputation Podcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes on your smartphone or tablet. Featuring the most up-to-date reputation management, social media, and entrepreneurial information on the web. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Todd Collins Official. And now, the host of Bad Reputation, the reputation rock star, Todd Collins. In three, two, one. Hey guys, I had Jay from uh, Jay Roffling from Cunningham's on. He, he was just one chopped, uh, and the recording was awesome. It was a great episode, but there's some times where there's a little bit of a, a hang up between us. So just be patient with it. Um, it does clear out towards the middle and the end uh, and actually right after the beginning of the episode. But I just wanted to give you guys a heads up to be prepared for that in the very beginning. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy it. Jay's a great guy. Um, you should definitely check out Cunningham's great restaurant. Enjoy. Guys, welcome back. I'm um, I'm pretty excited because I've been uh, trying to track this guy down for, ah, man, I don't know, probably about two months. He was, uh, and to be quite honest with you, he's he's a hard worker like I am, and it just he it just came around the time where I was like, you know what, I really want to get you on this podcast, and he was like, it's so funny because that's like the exact day that I'm going on vacation. And it just so happened that the next week I was going on vacation, so it kind of got put off. But my boy Jay Rolfling from Cunningham's, Chef at Cunningham's, um, is on the show. I'm really excited about it. I think, I'm not positive, but I think you're my first chef on the show. So I'm super excited about it. Yeah, pop the cherry. Yeah, absolutely. Because typically, typically I have like, you know, social media marketers on here and brand experts and this, that and everything else. And, you know, being that the restaurant industry has been very, very, very kind to me. um, I need to start getting some more of these restaurant owners on here because and chefs, uh, just because the I think it's an art that is ignored almost. But it's almost like now it's like entrepreneurship, like how entrepreneurship's cool. Like it's like it's fucking cool to be a chef because of so much uh, that you're seeing from an entertainment standpoint. And we're going to get into that because Jay was on Chopped and won. Um, and I, it, it's just it's just amazing when you see people come out of Maryland and come out of Baltimore um, and the talent level that we have as far as uh, chefs in, in our city and in our county, dude, we, we can go head to head with pretty much anybody that's out there. Wouldn't you agree? We're one of those stopover cities and that's this, that's what everyone's always thought. When we now see these larger market chefs coming into our city and then they're actually they don't have the foothold, the staying power to compete with the people that are already established here. Like I always say, I grew here, you flew here. You know, it's an old line from, you know, uh, a great movie called North Shore from the 80s. But it's talking about, hey, man, we, we grew up here. We know what the people want. We know what the market dictates. And that's why I think we're seeing a lot of success. Yeah, it's funny you brought up North Shore because I actually saw that movie. 
because I'm <laughs> I'm 40. I saw that movie in Ocean City at the Ocean City movie theater, so I remember that movie. It was, I think it was around the same time. Rad. Yeah, that means that it probably came out. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, those two together, and then Gleaming the Cube, and then then you just complete all of it. You know, you left one out, dude. Thrashing. It, oh, it, my you, all-time favorite though, Point Break. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And they should never have remade that movie. I refuse to watch it. I'm not. I never watched it either. They should never have done that. That was an absolute botch. Um, they just, just you can't you can't do anything with Patrick Swayze and Keanu Reeves in the same movie. You can't remake that. That doesn't happen. You let it go. Yeah, it's like Godfather Two. You had yeah. you had De Niro. You had. At Pacino, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So let's, uh, you know, I want to dive in a little bit because I want to talk about something that I don't think a lot of people really talk about from within the restaurant industry. Um, I want to talk about some of the uh, stress and 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 stigma behind um, the pressures of working in that industry, especially in the kitchen. And how to kind of handle that stress and how do you how do you handle it? Because I feel like you've always done a good job of delegation. Anytime I've ever seen you, A, in the kitchen at Cunningham's and it's and it's in like that open uh, that open area where people can see you and your team working. Um, and of course at the restaurant weeks and things like that, you always seem very um, organized and that you're moving and controlling your team very, very well. How how does that how do people that aren't in that same situation how are they how do you deal with that or how do you teach that to some of these other people um that's a great question todd the one of the biggest things that i've found to be a struggle with most chefs is most chefs when we get into the business it's something the only thing we've ever done right a lot of us started out by washing dishes um, then moved into um, a line cook role and then eventually started to lead our own kitchens, right? So that's all we've ever known. Also, what we've all, all we've ever known is that you have to work long hours to make a good living out of it, right? In the beginning, you're not getting paid a great wage. So the overtime hours that you can accrue it mean that you're going to get a better paycheck at the end, right? Um, and then that becomes the norm. So you're working a 60 hour work week all through your 20 like it's nothing right but then what happens is as you grow towards um starting a family and you have to find more back, something's got to give right you can't just work the long hours stay out late then get up and do it all over again your body it's too taxing on your body and it's too taxing on your mental health you have to find a balance um a few years ago um hams uh, the stress was starting to um, kind of compound on me. And um, that's the first time I thought about um, talking to someone outside of the business to help um, teach me coping tools for stress, right? It's and the best that ever happened to me. I've come into work with a clearer head and understanding what's important. And it's also helped my family life because of it. I don't bring it home with me anymore, you know? Finding the balance between work and family is probably what I've found to be the key to success in my career. So here's the question, as I hear a child in the background, how do you balance it? Because you were dealing with the stress, right? So, you know, the trick is, is like people can relate to what you felt 
the questions that they're going to ask is, okay, Jay, how did you, how did you fix it? Or did you fix it? Well, I, I don't think I fixed it at all. I deal with, I deal with the anxiety and the stress every day. Um, the idea is to say which, which things that are causing anxiety actually carry weight and are meaningful. Um, which ones my manifesting in my head to be something that's more than it really is. Yeah. Right. So case in point, my wife's famous line and forgive me for, um, using foul language. She goes, Jay, they come to the restaurant, they eat their food, they crap it out eight hours later. This isn't, um, changing the world stuff. You know, you're feeding someone, you're giving them a quick experience, but this isn't um, solving world conflict. Understand that and be able to um, put it into perspective of what your life is as a whole, you know? Yeah. So what I've learned, yeah. No, no, I get that. I, it's it's just uh, my, my take would be that it's like, yeah, I hear that and I hear what your wife said, but at the end of the day, it's your passion and it's your art. So it's so hard to move away from it and look at it from that perspective it's easy to hear it and try to apply that to the right but because you love it so much and when when watching someone enjoy something that you yeah. created it's real tough to not get emotional about it man it's so get a high well, yeah you get a high off it and you're only as good as the last plate you made you know or the last um guest you engaged and that's that's the tough thing. So we're I'm always like I'm moving on to the next table. When I walk the dining room, that table that I just spoke to had a great time. I go to the next table, maybe they didn't have the same experience. And so it's it's I'm moving from one, one emotion to the other. Real sometimes, like within split seconds, this guy's like, "Man, this is the greatest food. I can't believe uh, you know this is our first time here. I wait, can't wait to come back." And my steak was overcooked or my service wasn't the best or and and so you go from feeling great to saying okay how do I humble myself in front of these people say you know please don't um, think this is the norm this isn't the experience we're trying to do and basically ask for forgiveness and for a second chance and then try to write it by saying like you know whether it be comping the food or inviting them back on us or something like that so you go from one high to another which also doesn't help your anxiety or stress pressure because you live in this manky world you know i equate a lot of it to being like a, on a sports team like a game day every day every day um when you get into prep it's kind of like practice practicing and then all of a sudden the doors open at five o'clock and it's game time and you're in the heat of it every night and then when it's over it's over and how do you come down off of that high energy thing a lot of people self-medicate yep and to take like some you know the alcohol's a downer but it's not healthy and it's not sustainable whereas if you can come home and you can read a book or you can um, have another type of routine like i eat dinner with my wife when i get home it's a routine we do it every night and i can decom that way you know um making the healthier choices definitely is a key to longevity in the career and um a better mental state for sure you know and and <clears throat> i think you know i think our generation kind of has brought that to light as as not only being in the in in the industry but as well as in business too i'm seeing a lot of people our age we are really focused on physical health um assisting the mental health standpoint of what we're doing um and, and you know it's funny you're a chef but your mentality is 
of an entrepreneur where you're creating processes in your life to to de-stress you're sticking to schedules to make sure that you're balancing family and work you're doing all these things and it's almost like yeah you're a chef but at the same time you have this uh, i mean everything that i'm hearing from you is a mentality of an entrepreneur and a mentality of a leader um you worked up you know from the bottom to the top just like a regular uh, i mean uh, to me a successful entrepreneur mostly just screws up massively multiple times and then they finally go oh weird i'm in this weird successful place how the hell did i get here and then you realize it's from all the lessons that you learned over the failures that you had right um and so dealing with with all of that you have kids you've got a wife you get and you're making sure that you're spending time with her when you get home the discussions that you and your wife have and i think that's important if you're in the industry take that away make sure that you're with somebody that's supportive enough to go hey i'll stay up late for you so we can communicate and have some sort of relations um you know what do you guys talk about do you talk about work at all or is it all talk about family or hey how was your day how was your day things like that Um, we talk about work for sure. Um, I try not to read that's the one thing, um, in my head, I don't always express that to her, but I don't want to relive the day, especially if it was a tough day. You know, if it's over, I want to put it in the past. So we talk about my daughter, what, what things happen new with my daughter. You know, she's at that age where discovery and, uh, you know, every day is new. And then also with Lisa being, um, you know, basically nine months pregnant, it's about her health. What's she up to? What are we planning? How are we getting organized for this next human to be, you know, coming into our lives? Um, so it's, it's more like family time. Granted, there are important things to talk about, especially scheduling. Like you said, being kind of in that entrepreneur state and, and running multiple, you know, departments in the, in the business, my schedule is all over the place now. You know, I don't run that nine to five job. Um, some days I'm out of here 6 a.m. Some days I'm not leaving till 11. Some days I'm home at midnight. Some days I'm home at, you know, 5.30. Around communications, huge, you know. What about, what about from a standpoint of when you got, when you finally got to the position where you had the opportunity to, be the head guy the, the the number one guy um was it at cunningham's or because you left somewhere and then that was the opportunity right is that correct you were you were somewhere else and then you came to cunningham's yeah. so i was the chef at linwood's and yes. linwood's restaurants and Owens mills has been there i mean 30 years now plus it's a stalwart and it's and it's their owner linwood dame is a smart businessman he's a man of integrity I mean class he's a, a mentor I mean he is the guy who turned me into a professional you know I met him when I was in my early 20s and um, I had a really firm grasp of, of cooking skill right I could cook a line I could do it well but I wasn't thinking about food I wasn't thinking about managing people or I was more of like kind of a you know, like a culinary mercenary. I, I was working in high-end restaurants, but it was about me and me learning and me absorbing everything I could learn. It wasn't about handing out the knowledge yet that I had learned. So I worked with him for um, 11 years, 11, 12 years. And like he took me under his wing, started to teach me what it was to be a professional, 
what it was to think about food and then to manage the individual, you know? Um, and then what happened was I was offered Cunningham's um, chef position when they first opened the restaurant. I wasn't ready yet. Um, I wasn't ready to leave there. I was still learning things. Um, I was growing as a chef still. And then they came back around two and a half years later and I said, you know what? Here's my chance. I talked to Lisa. I said, hey, here's this opportunity. This restaurant, Cunningham's, represents so many things um, that we already do in our lives. We, we, you know, raise chickens, we raise other animals, we, we grow vegetables, you know, that's the style of life we love. And here is Cunningham's, the narrative that Cunningham's has is just that, you know. Um, so I just, I jumped in. You know, one of the biggest things is uh, you never know what you can do if you don't take the chance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty cool. It was wild. I'll tell you what, it was a tough, tough few years, but man, it was worth it. Yeah, it was worth it, right? And so one of the cool things that I just took from that was that the first time that they asked you, you were self-aware enough to know that you still had stuff to learn if you were going to go into this and make sure that you were going to do it right. So let me ask you a question. Did a little bit of that, was a little bit of that fear or was it all like, I'm just not ready yet. And if I go and do this, this is going to be stamped on me that like I did it and I didn't, and it didn't work out. And then I'm that guy. It was total fear. Um, I knew that I could have a, a lifelong career at Linwood's. At that restaurant, I had an owner that I, I cared about, like taught me everything. I was making a great wage, you know. Um, I met my wife. There, there was like the culture there was awesome. You know, I was able, able to be as creative as I wanted. I was, uh, you know, involved learning all of the aspects. And um, I knew I had a future there. And so the question was, why leave? And then it hit me. I'm not going to grow as a as an individual if I don't push myself. I was getting comfortable, and right? And once you get there, then you, yeah, you start. You don't um, you won't grow any. You got you have to be pushed to grow. You know, just like you need a rival to excel to your highest level. You know. Yeah, I mean, most of us are rivals ourselves. But what the second time around, what happened? I mean, obviously you were a little older. Okay, so you're two years older. But what what made you go, yep, I'm going? A little older. Um, my wife was in a better health state. You know, I think what it was is um, I was coming up on, you know, I think I was 37. And I said, here's the chance. Lee and I didn't think we were going to start a family. Um, you know, from what we had heard medically between us, it wasn't in the cards for us. So I said, let's do it. Let's jump right in. Let, let me immerse myself in this business, learn as much as I can, see how far I can push the envelope from a success standpoint and put us in a position later in life where we can um, uh, enjoy the fruits of my labor, you know? And then, and so I just dove right in. And as, as fate has it, you know, a year, you know, have this beautiful baby girl, <laughs> you know? It's so funny you say that because, uh, so like, same thing with my parents. My parents were told, uh, they were like, there's no, you're not going to be able to have a child. It's not going to happen. And then uh, 1978, Christmas Eve, I was born. 
And, uh, you know, it's, it, I, I just think it's funny how things work out um, in that standpoint and how kids change the whole aspect, right? Like once it happens, it's this thing that you wanted really, really bad. And then this happens and then all of a sudden it's not about you, it's about them. And then you got, now that's again, what you're talking about, right? Figuring out and finding that balance of, I want to be the best dad ever because this is something I've wanted and my wife has wanted for so long. But I also now I had this, my, my mind set on this that I wanted to do all these things from a business standpoint. And what ends up happening is you put a lot of pressure on yourself and you don't want to push that pressure on the people that you care about. So you really kind of like hold it down on yourself and it ends up really only hurting you. So I'm, I'm glad that you and your wife have that time and you make that time every single night to sit down and have that meal together and do that. I, if, if one thing is taken away from this episode and, and you're in this industry and, or it doesn't even matter from the restaurant industry, if you have a job where you're, you come home late or you guys miss each other in the morning or whatever it is, try to find some time, dedicate that time, be selfish about it and give yourselves that time together because that's how your marriage is going to succeed and, and keep growing because a lot of marriages nowadays, they don't succeed and it's, and it's mostly because of that. It's not the kids. It's mostly because the job becomes number one and everything else is later. Hey, there she is. Yeah. It's communication. It's, it's the idea of saying everyone's going to have a first act, a second act, a third act even. You know, For me to say that I'm going to finish my career at Cunningham's, I mean, how, you, I can't say that. I love it and it's great and and it's and I'm going to push it for what it is now and I'm going to keep trying to grow it and make it great but I can't sacrifice what I know is always going to be here until my last breath for something that is you know that we don't know you know I, I know I'm going to raise my daughter I'm, I know I'm going to watch her grow up I know and I want to be present there I want her to remember these times not Oh, dad was always in the kitchen. No, dad was there with me walking in the front yard every morning, you know, I, and, and I, and lit, I want to lit, relive my childhood through her eyes and the discovery of, of things, you know, that's, that's the joy of life. You know, don't, the passions there in the cooking and, and the restaurant business for sure. But this is something I'll never be able to experience again, you know? Yeah. And you're, I don't want to, you're right. And you're right. It's funny we're talking about this because last night is the is the word you use selfish. It is. Yeah, it was like last night. I had a super long day because um, I had a seminar down the street from your restaurant, actually, and then I had a meeting after that, and then I had another meeting after that. Then I went to the gym. Then I had to come back to the office to finish a lot of stuff. By the time I got home, it was around seven thirty. The kids had already gone down to bed. Nicole's already because you know, we're getting ready to move. She's packing a bunch of stuff up, and I'm like damn it. I was like, I did all this stuff and I missed it. I missed, you know, that. So I made sure that I went in, laid down with them. I woke them up. Like it is what it is. And I said, Hey, look, tell me about your day. How was your day? Things of that nature. You know, I mean, there's some days, there's some days where I can't make it. And you know, that drives me nuts because I grew up with a father. Well, I had a mom and a dad, but my dad and the kids were always number one, always. And, um, I'm not like that. It's like my mind doesn't work like that. Nikki's mind works like that. Mine, not so much. Um, but she's made me a better parent from a standpoint of put your phone down and focus on the family. 
I'm dead serious with you, Jay, and I'm not joking. When I was on vacation, I had clients telling me to put the phone down and go enjoy my vacation with my family. Yeah, I know. I have I have a rule every vacation. I take the phone with me because I'll need it, but it's a nightstand. And for the whole week, it was there. I, one morning, I had to do some emergency pricing out of some sheets for a new client, but that was it. And, and you know, I left it alone because I wanted, like I said, be present there and cut it off. Cut it off and be there just that. I got a quick question about that. So like like a that was kind of almost like a total unplug what did you did you, what did you feel like when you didn't have your phone with you anxious oh i uh, yeah well every time the phone rings i go straight to the worst that someone's calling out sick or there's a problem at the restaurant on any day off. If the phone rings, that's what I get, man. My, my mind doesn't go to, oh, maybe it's my mom calling just to check in, or maybe it's a friend wanting to see if we're doing for a cookout or whatever. Nope, goes right to the restaurant, goes right to anxiety and stress. And um, the funny thing is, while we were on vacation, the first three days, my wife says, what's wrong? And I said, I'm having anxiety being separated from the restaurant. And then for two days in the, in the middle of vacation, I kind of like, and then the following three days, I was right back to the anxiety because I'm, I'm heading back. What am I walking back into? What's yeah. going on? What did I miss? You know. So in all of it, I had two days of joy, and the other ones were just like trying to find it. You know. That's funny because that's exactly how I am. I and and just so you know, and I'm very transparent about it. I I suffer with that big time, and I, and I don't know if it's maybe because. Um, I mean, I was diagnosed with attention deficit disorder when I was in fifth grade. Um, so I was like probably one of the first people back then to actually even be diagnosed and tested, you know, medicine and this, that and everything else. And anxiety was just a part of it. And, and, it, and it actually runs in my family. And I'm the exact same way. Uh, when I was away from the office, I felt anxious. Um, I, I didn't feel good unless I was in some way intertwined with a client or, or my computer or with my phone. Um, and I'm the exact same way. Just like during this podcast, the phone rang. It's a phone number that's not my phone. It's It rang twice back to back, which makes me think that something's wrong. And now in the back of my mind, even though that you and I are having a conversation, in the back of my mind, I'm assuming that the friggin' business just blew up down here and uh my social media poster threw up some kind of crazy thing and i'm we're in deep crap you know so like it's just the way that our brain works but i also think that people suffer that suffer from anxiety are tend to be very very hard workers um because we want to make and perfectionists and and we we put a lot of stress and pressure on ourselves i think they're high functioning a hundred percent it's, I don't even know if it's like an autistic so, or I don't know what it is. I, I totally get it though. But like people ask, like people are saying, you heard that? Like if I'm standing expediting, there's conversations around me 10, 20 feet away. I hear it and I can respond the answer to it if they're asking. 
question. Like, and I was like, I'm just in tune. Like I'm functioning on a level of focus, you know, when I'm up on that line and I'm, you know, and it's just a level of, of just immersion into your craft, you know, and, and the understanding of it all. And um, I talked with my therapist about that. I said, sometimes like, I don't get it. Like how I can see people just in a disconnected state of working and they're just kind of going through the motions. It, it just doesn't fly with me. I don't see where people can operate on that. Like if, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be, you know, do it to the best of my ability. And then after it's all over, then I'm going to critique myself on it to see how I can do it better the next time, you know, instead of just saying, okay, clocking out now, you know, just. It, so, you know, and that's the respect that you and I have for each other, right? Like you and I, when, whenever we see each other, we always talk about how each other, each one of us inspires the other one. And I think it's because our mentalities are very much the same. We both have a passion for what we do. We both love to work and we feel very comfortable in the working state. Like we almost feel more comfortable when we're working than not. And then we also have this situation that operates within our mind where we see somebody who doesn't work like that or act like that. And then all of a sudden we're like, why, why can't that person be like that? And then I think, and if I'm incorrect, you tell me, you try to fix that. Oh, all the time. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. It's one of my things that like I preach at work. I, I preached like, so you've been in our kitchen, you've seen my kitchen, um, where we prep, it's kind of like a commissary. We all stand around the same table so I can watch at what everyone's doing, right? And I see these kids come in, they look like they've tied knots with their chef coat or they just woke up and it's 2 p.m. And I'm like, what are you doing? You know, even when I was that age, I wasn't like that. You know, I, I took pride in what I was doing. And, and I just kind of, I go over there and I'm, I'm more, I'm not, one to um, down someone. I'm not, I'm not, I don't rule with the iron fist. I want to motivate. I want to inspire. And I'll say, and I'll come in and I'll say, Hey man, look at this guy. Look how well he's doing. He comes in and see how people treat him because the way he carries himself. You come in here looking like you rolled out of bed wearing your chef coat, man. Do you expect people to respect you? you know? And the next day they come in and their chef coat's iron or, you know, at least once. And then yeah. they'll fall back in their routine. Of but course they do. But like, that's my thing. It's like, some one took the time to mentor me and give me just little little tidbits of info to help my future and I was smart enough at the time to, to at least grasp onto some of them and then grow in my own way but um, if, if I can't believe that this kid would think that this is okay to come in there you know and so i carry myself one way like i would say i don't come in hungover i don't drink when i know i have to come into work the next day that's one thing i never do i never come in to work hungover you know i don't believe in it i think if i have to be lucid and and be on top of my shit for you guys you owe me the same respect like i don't give a crap what you do on your day off man go have fun everyone has a vice or whatever don't bring it into the restaurant and so if I see someone come in hungover, no pity whatsoever. If anything, you're going to be stirring risotto for an hour over the stovetop, sweating it out, and I'm going to make you feel for it, you know? And then the next day you'll know not to do that kind of thing. But um, but I do. And, like, I try to, like, I just, um, when we go out and you, we've been at these functions together, like um, where there's, you know, 50 restaurants and they show up, you see me, I 
rolling with my cooler. I'm organized. I'm more like glad handing and saying hi to people I haven't seen in a while. I've set up my station, I'm ready to go, right? Because I prepare myself, I'm organized, I know what I wanted to do, I have a timeline in my head. And, and instead of coming in and be like, oh shit, I'm in the weeds, pulling crap out of my cooler, and then, nah man, because then, because first off, talk about branding as an entrepreneur, I'm, I'm the brand, I'm the face of that restaurant now. So if someone sees me polished and put together, they know that the brand is polished even if they're in the business, not even, uh, you know, like a client, they see that and they're like, Hey, they're doing something right over there. So that leads me to my next thing that I want to discuss with you. So you're a chef, you're, you're mentored, you're trained by, I, I would be remiss to say one of the most, if not respected, I know 100% respected by every chef in the state of Maryland. Um, but nationally, um, obviously, still respected. Um, one thing about Mr. Linwood that I'll, I'll always remember when I go there is, and it's the same thing that I see you do, is he touches tables, he shakes hands, he lets every he 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 makes those people a part of that restaurant family, and that's the success. I never ever see that hardly any anymore. But it, I know that's one thing that you took from him, and that he probably was like, this is one of the most important things that you need to do as a chef. They want to see who you are and then you end up becoming the face of, of the restaurant. Interestingly enough, you go to Cunningham's, you do your thing. And just like you just said that you are the face of Cunningham's now, that's when we start talking about what's happening with personal branding nowadays. And that being a chef is just as cool as being a tattoo artist, as being a rock star, as being uh, an actor on TV. I mean, it, 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 it's like, it's just cool. Chefs are cool. They have cool personalities. They do cool shit. They, now they're all making them, their way onto television and things of that nature. And that's something that happened to you. Did you, did you ever, ever think that you were going to be asked to be on a national television show? No, I mean, you, you hear clients and, and uh, guests coming into the restaurant, you know, Jeff, you should you'd be great on those shows. You have the personality, you have the skill, and you take it as, you know, just, it, you're thankful that people would think that of you, but you never believe it. And then one day the phone rang, and um, I was skeptical. Uh, Lee was the one who told me to do it. She said, why not? It'll be great. And I was like, F it. All right, let's do this, you know? And uh, it turned out to be one of the coolest experiences of my life. And it also opened up more doors than I can tell you, Todd, not just for, for my career, but for things that I believe in that now I get to, um, I got to the audience of some important people in our city and in the county to hear my opinions on mental health in the restaurant business. Children. And, um, understanding where their food comes from, like school gardens, pushing that initiative, pushing the idea of trades um, for like people going into careers. Like, not everyone's meant for college. No one, not everyone's meant to take on one hundred and fifty thousand dollars of school debt and have a business degree that, and then get out and not know what they're going to do with it. Smartest thing I ever did was go learn a trade, put my head down, and succeed to it. You know, um, and walk away with minimal debt. Uh, so. Just yet on uh, on Thursday, I met with Baltimore County Public Schools to discuss a school garden initiative countywide. Then I went over to the tech 
tech and career initiative um, seminar that they were having with all the directors of Baltimore County Public School. Got to tell them about my idea. Tuesday, my own mom and the environmental science teacher about starting the garden this year just to get one prototype going in the county school. Because public schools, or um, private schools, a lot of them have this, right? But so why, why doesn't everyone have it? You know, that's what frustrates me, you know? So, and the chop thing led all this, you know, led me to this. And uh, so I couldn't be thankful. Plus the 10 G's bank account, that helped out too after the win. You know, I'm stoked about that. So, you know, and that's a risky move, right? Because you, if you go into this thing and you lose, you, you got to live with that. Well, risk reward, right? You know, I jumped into Cunningham's and I knew that if I put my head down, I'd come out on top. You know, it's all about putting the work, you know. So what I did is when I accepted the the idea of going on there and I knew that I was going to go on, I, wa- I had never watched an episode of Chop before. The episode I could watch. I took crib notes about where they kept all of the ingredients. I knew the exact machines they had. I knew what the um, the judges' dislikes and likes were. I memorized it all. So by the time I went there, in my head, I had done it already a million times. We did practice runs in the kitchen, cabinets, and then we put it together and I practiced. So when I was there, I said, okay, this is an unfamiliar territory now. Now I know where what to do you know and then it was just a matter of the talent beside me right my competitors and it was i i I tell like i said it um once to someone i felt like i was um in godfather 2 and i felt like i was um you know al pacino sitting there just letting everyone talk around me about how great they are and oh i'm this chef from so-and-so i'm the best and i'm this and that and they were they were all like jockeying for a position i just sat Okay, and I learned all about them. And in my head, I, I figured out what their flaws would be, what was going to trip them up. You know, this one girl was young, um, and she's like, line cook in Charleston. Um, and I have this great mentor, and I was like, that's good. She's got a good mentor, but she's a line cook. She takes direction. She creates someone else's food. So how is she going to take a dish or three things that have no way of belonging together and create a dish? And that was or couldn't create something on her own because she's used to taking direction and executing it well, but someone else's thought, not her own, right? The next guy traveled all around the world. He's been to Japan. He does high-end, hot cuisine, really talented, really um, precision-oriented, but he had done so many different things. He didn't have a clear thought process and it transferred into his food. It was all this, it was all over the place. It wasn't a cohesive thought, right? So that's exactly what his failure was. That's what happened in the in the second round. They were like, all of these things, but they don't manage together, right? And then lastly was the girl Ro, the girl in the final with smart, been in the business for a long time, managed multiple restaurants. She handled stress well, you know, she didn't overextend herself in trying new things she stayed true to herself and I think that's why she was such a great competitor you know and I think the reason I did well is because first off I had been in the business the longest I was the longest working chef of them all I run Cunningham so I understand 
and the stress level of managing some things. I'm not um, a chef who isn't there. So I'm living it every night. I know the time frames. I live in eight minute clips. Come on, the salad's gotta go, eight minutes, let's go, let's go. And so the 20 minute time frame, the 30 minute time frame, on that, you know, I, I understand the idea of time frame, timelines, putting out fires, you know, and then making things happen, you know, um, from a creative standpoint, creating food, you know, um, and I think that's why I did so well there. But um, I totally forgot where I was going with that, Todd. It's okay. And, but here's the thing. What what you took away from what I take away from all of that in your experience there is that you built out a strategy, you educated yourself, and you listened more than you did anything to maneuver and maybe pivot your strategy while you were there. Um, and it's funny because I just kind of had the same experience with that Homers for Hearts thing for the University of Maryland Children's Hospital. It's the same thing. I got asked by a friend of mine was like, didn't even know I played baseball, was like, hey man, um, can you can you join our team? Like, we, we, we wanna do this. And we go in and there's there's 29 other guys and like the four guys that were at the end of the, the home run tournament that was left, three of the guys had played college baseball. I dropped out of college um, and they were good hitters. I mean, they were definitely bigger than me. They definitely were cockier than I was. I wasn't saying anything. When people saw me walk up, right, my shirt was, two times too big. My jersey was like two times too big. I'm, I'm 158 pounds soaking wet. I got tattoos all over my arms. Nobody, these guys are all private school, like whatever. And I get into the finals and I beat them all. And I never said one, these guys were talking shit the whole time. I'm not saying anything. I'm just going up and cracking homers. And the guy asked me and he comes back and he's like, dude, wh what the hell, man? Like you didn't, I didn't know you played baseball. I didn't know. I was like, well, I wasn't going to sit here and say all these things. I just wanted to see what these guys were going to do first. I wanted to let them go first, look at what they were doing and then plan my strategy from there. So it was the exact same thing. I kept quiet. I listened and then I planned my strategy from there. And I feel like more people, when they get these opportunities or they have these opportunities, make sure that you're listening more than you're saying. Cause it, you might think that I talk a lot. However, when I'm around a bunch of people, I listen to everything and that's how I move. Yesterday, I was with a group of real estate agents. There was a girl that, there was a group of girls in front of me and they were all, we're all talking together and I, we were talking about college and, and how the platform is changing. And one of the girls said, um, yeah, I mean, like, if like, you're not smart, you shouldn't go to college. And I like went like this, like looked at her and like, how can you say something like that? I was like, did you go to college? And she's like, no, I don't think I was smart enough. And I just felt terrible for her at that point. I was like, man, who the hell told you in your past you weren't smart enough to go to college? That's not why you, that's not why you fail in college. Yeah, who told you that? I don't know. But at the end of the day, that's not why you fail in college. Look, the, the bottom line comes down to if you're not interested in what you're doing as a human being, you don't care. And if you don't care, you're not going to succeed. That's just the bottom line of all of it. So that, I mean, that's, that's what I would take away from it. You knew that there was an opportunity here. You knew that you had to make the bet, the most of this opportunity. You prepared for it, you strategized for it, and then you won. So then you, you have to keep it quiet, right? After you win, you can't tell anybody. Is that right? Oh yeah. So 
Yeah, uh, big old NDA, $750,000. And then they don't tell you when it's gonna air. So you have no idea. It ended up being a year and four months. I had to keep my mouth shut about it. So yeah, and uh, in my head, like I'm thinking, Lisa thinks I just went to New York and lied about all this so I could get a weekend away from the, her. Um, but it was worth the wait. It made it that much more of a, an experience uh, when it finally aired, you know? And the, the great part of it is, um, you know, I was waiting for it to air because I won instead of saying, oh, when are they're going to air this and I've got to answer to it, you know? So um, it was really cool. And then we saw the boost in the business, you know, people coming from all over the nation, really, which is surprising to me. People from the Midwest, people from California, Florida, Maine, all coming in and they're like, you're him. And I was like, yep, that's me. And then the idea, the accessibility to me because of my personality, they loved it. You know, the fact that they thought they'd wave, I'd wave back, maybe get a picture. Instead, I'm sitting at the table, engaging them, asking them questions about where they're from and, and you know, what restaurants are like up by there and what their favorite foods are up there, you know? And then, so now I've got them hooked. Now I have an ambassador that's gonna go back to where they're from and talk about a restaurant in Baltimore and the chef who's running it and how not only was the food, but man, he's a great person. You know, he's someone that um, wants to see good for his neighborhood and his community and, and his family, you know. I, people get sick of me talking about my wife and my kid and everything, you know, when we're at the table, but those are my passions, my joy. And, and it also, I think when I talk about something besides the restaurant, it humanizes me as a person and, and I'm not yeah. just the chef, you know, and then they can relate a little bit easier to me. Yeah. And, and see, that's kind of the thing. So, you know, same thing with me, right? Like I, I'm in the agency and then like two years ago, I, I launched the, the personal branding side of it. And then we started, I started getting some, some recognition from guys like John Taffer and, and like team Gary V and like, you know, all, and you know, these types of guys. And it was the same kind of thing where it's like little things like that all of a sudden flip the script on everything and then it gives you leverage to be able to do things that maybe you didn't have the leverage to do before but now because they've endorsed you you have the leverage to be able to move the needle on things that really truly matter to you and um i mean it couldn't happen to a, a greater guy because here's the thing even if you weren't on chopped and even if you didn't win every i don't believe that there's anybody around that i know that can say anything bad about you. If anything, the first thing they say about Jay is, Dude, he's like the nicest guy. And I mean, if that's your legacy and that's what you're known for, that's a damn good thing to be known for. Because I don't think people can say that yeah, about I, me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is uh, no, I'm, I'm very thankful for that because, you know, I, my, my old man, he wrote me um, a birthday card when I was 16. I remember... I was living in Ocean City, right? It was uh, my senior year, you know, summer after high school, because I'm about 40 now too, Todd. And um, he wrote me a card. And he said in it, you were named after your great-grandfather, who was my idol. I really looked up to him, John Patrick Rolfing. And he said, when I was younger, he told me on my 16th birthday, there are three things you live by, your name, your word, and your family. 
And if you live by those things and you hold them true, at the end of the day, no one can really talk shit on you because you're you're a man of integrity and honesty. If you tell them you're gonna do something, you know, and you stand by your family and, and they're number one and they're what means that they're really in this world all that really matters, right? And I still have that card. I keep it stashed. What, what is that now? 24 years later, you know, I have it in my nightstand because it, those are things that I live by. And I think following those has made it so people are like, this guy's a nice guy. He's an all around good guy because I'm, I'm keeping to some core values that were taught to me when I was younger. That and uh, I am an, and I'm a people person, you know. Um, I like to learn about people, you know. Like you said, it's fun to talk, and I'm a talker, trust me. Whenever I have a business meeting and it's being done over online, like through emails, or I'm trying to work on a deal, I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, man, we got to meet. Because I know that I can engage you, and I can get you on my through, you know, conversation, and, and I can get more feeling across that way. Because that's the kind of person I am. Um, and then in, in turn, a friend, you know, in it. You know, like When they feel like they know you personally, they're going to invest in you, you know? Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And it's funny that you just brought that up. You, after my senior year, after I, grad, I graduated, graduated high school in 1997, after I graduated from high school, I actually moved to the beach and lived there uh, for a year by myself, um, which is so weird that you said that because it's, it's really true. And I like literally hopped from like job to job to job. All I was doing was hanging out with uh, a couple guys that I had started hanging out with. I delivered pizza. Yeah. I mean, I, I worked at the T-shirt factory. I worked at Dimensions. I think I worked at Cottage Cafe for a little while. I think, yeah, I did. But that was pretty much it. Is that the? Was that the little, little white cottage cafe that had the names of like all of the uh, Alice in Wonderland subs? Hell yeah! No, man. no, 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 no. A, but, there was. A, that's across from the 7-Eleven, and that is, uh, it's named after their daughter. The person that owns it is the girl, but she's obsessed with Alice in Wonderland. Cottage Cafe was a little cottage that was right at the end of Fenwick Island, if I'm not mistaken, and now is much larger and expanded, and it's up right before Bethany Beach or inside Bethany Beach, if, if I'm right. I think I'm right. Oh, that's cool. So, to, as- Our as harvest we, is- yeah, no. It's it. I never, I never bartended while I was down there, which was kind of weird. Like I, you would, th- you would have thought with all the drinking that I was doing, that bartending would have just been a, a natural transition for me, but it wasn't. Um, it was probably just a dangerous place for me to go. Um, as we, as we tailwind into the to the end here, I always ask every one of my guests uh, two questions, and then my expectation is six answers from it. Um, so starting off with the first question, I mean, I, I know we touched on a lot of it, but you're, you're definitely an inspiring person. You're definitely a motivating person. You motivate te- your own team, but I feel like you also inspire and motivate other chefs that are out there that are, that are kind of want to operate on the same level as you. And even if you don't think that it's happening, some of these younger kids that saw you on Chopped or see you now and know how welcoming you are to these people, they are going to look up to you. It's just how it is, right? Um, give me three good motivational tips for somebody that's a little bit younger than us that's in the industry that is looking for they're, maybe they're struggling a little bit and they need something to kind of inspire them to keep going um, 
man. It's the hot seat. Overnight success. What's that? I said it's the hot seat. Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, there's no such thing as an overnight success. You even, I mean, you see these people who win um, a Grammy for Best New Artist, but they're in their late 40s, and they've been doing it, music their lives, you know? The, the accolades, the success will come. The question is staying with it, right? There's, um, there's this meme I see all the time of this guy, he's digging, digging up for gold, right? And he gets so tired, and he gets so tired, and then he stops, and he's like, F it, I'm done. And he realizes he was one hit away from hitting the goal, right? And he just bails on it, you know? And I think that's the mindset. You're, you're always going to be pushing yourself to hit a goal, right? You'll hit that goal, and then you're going to realize there's a lot more goals you have to hit, right? So I think it's about setting goals to scale of what is, um, what is achievable, but yet is a hard thing to achieve, you know? I, I, when the cooks come in, it's like, they, they come in, I wanna be executive chef. All right, well, first you have to learn how to be a good line cook, you know? So show me that you can be proficient on all of these stations. And I'll hold your hand, I'll stand next to you and I'm gonna teach every nuance of every piece of fish and how it performs in a pan as opposed to another piece of fish or how a, a certain steak from the same muscle but cut from the opposite end is gonna feel different when it's mid-rare opposed to this. And this comes through repetition, you know, and doing it over and over, right? So I think the idea is, is understanding that it's a process to get to where you're going, but lay that process out and then follow it, follow the process. And then um, secondly, find a way to be fulfilled every day, whether it be learning something new or discovering something or asking, challenging, asking someone a question, challenging them to to do something for you, like to help you grow. Like if a chef comes in or a line cook comes in, chef, I want to learn how to make this done. Let's do it. But what I want you to do is to research it first and then come to me and tell me what you want to do and how you want to do it. Don't just come to me and say, chef, I want to learn how to make pate. What kind of pate do you want to make? I want the, you to do the work first, then come to me and then I'll facilitate that for us together, right? Um, so being fulfilled, at the end of the day, you can say you accomplished something great. Third, surround yourself with A's. If you want to be an A, surround yourself with A's. If you want to be a B, surround your. It's an old adage. Like, if you want to be the best, be around the best. Associate with the best. My old man used to say, you want to be a bum? Keep hanging out with that group of kids you're hanging out with. They're all bums. You know, that kind of thing. So if you want to be good, go find the, the people that inspire you and you think are the best and be, become one of them. You know, so those are my three. <laughs> and, and and they're all and they're all great, great tips because it, and it's absolutely true. And it's funny you keep saying your old man tells you because my dad's seventy seven and he tells me the same stuff. He still tells me this stuff, you know. Um, but it's it's interesting. All those things. It's easy to hear it. It's 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 the it's a neck. It's another thing to actually execute on it. Um, and we and a lot of the things you know that I hear from everyone that I have on my show is very similar um but very rarely does it get executed on um but when it does and you inspired somebody and maybe they message you or they send you a letter or whatever and they say what you did helped me and i you know you did it to me when we were at restaurant week you said something to me 
um, where you were like, man, I just love seeing your posts every day. They like, if, if I'm in a situation where I'm feeling like this, like it really does help. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, like he might not DM me and tell me that it helped, but I know that there's people out there that I'm helping or that I just said, Hey, look, um, I just lost in this. And if you ever felt this way, I'm feeling this way right now that it helps somebody. They may not say something to me directly, but it did help them. So that's kind of the things that, that make me kind of keep going is that people hear and see me. They might not say anything to me about it, but they hear and they see me and it's helping them. And that really, really means a lot. Next question on the hot seat. Give me three tips for people that have no idea what they're doing in the kitchen. Three easy meals to make, not peanut Ah. butter and jelly, not grilled cheese. Three easy meals to make in the kitchen if you're not a trained professional chef from Chopped. (laughs) Um, I tell you what, these days with the advent of the smartphone and the computer, you have every piece of information at your fingertips. You know what I mean? I I think it's hard to be a a bad cook these days. Um, One thing I talk about at the restaurant all the time, which the biggest struggle is, is that our clients or our guests are educated now. Yep. You know, 20 years ago, savvy when it came to their food, right? A cook comes in or a guest comes in now, they know if that vinaigrette is too sharp or wasn't blended right, or they know if their steak wasn't rested, or they know if their sear isn't perfect. They, they know this stuff because they're seeing it in pop culture every day on their televisions after, you know, when they're sitting there on the couch. So when it comes to being home chefs, I feel like everyone's, that's a trend. You know, people can cook at home now. But for those who can't, one pot wonders is my thing. I love the idea of that at home. First off, you're not cleaning up as much crap at the end of your meal. You don't sit down, have a couple glasses of wine, you're fat and happy, and then you're like, shit, now I gotta clean up the kitchen. It's a one pot wonder. So um, what I like to do is um, make some sort of braised item and you build the flavors in one little pan. You can get like a nice chunk of meat at a discount at the rest, at the um, grocery store. It's got some fat marbling, like a chuck or something like that, like a chuck roast. You sear it, you add in your favorite vegetables, a little bit of stock, throw it in the um, oven for like two and a half hours on low and it just simmers and it breaks down all that connective tissue and you've got this wonderful braised dish. You can add like a whole bottle of Barolo in there if you have it, you know, and create this like, um, great beef bourguignon type of thing and then it's you grab like a trivet or something out on the table put the whole pot in the out on the table right and have everyone just kind of scoop in have a big loaf of like bread like a baguette and some nice butter and that's it man and, and you just go to town right very rustic lisa loves um pasta lately we've been doing some pasta we've been doing whole wheat pasta because she's watching in her car with the baby and everything like um i'll cook the pasta and then in one pan i'll just take some simple canned tomatoes toast some garlic fresh basil out of the garden a little salt and pepper toss 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 drizzle of olive oil and that's it it's the most simple like tomato marinara ever but you're it's the fresh bait it's the technique it's toasting the garlic putting in the tomatoes finishing with that herbaceousness at the very end so it's like super bright when you're tossing it the basil is like hitting you in the face and you're like hell yeah this is gonna be delicious you know 
And that's another dish. That's two pans, you know, a pot to cook the pasta in and then a saute pan. And then the other one that we do a lot for me, working like doing cooking on the grill outside because my little Cape Cod in Parkville doesn't have an exhaust system over the the oven. So whenever I'm stirring something, it's outside. I love cooking steak. I love having a big cutting board with me. I'll take all of my ingredients out to the grill. I'll cook them all. Then I, I assemble it all on the cutting board, the vegetables, the steak, and all of that. And then I bring the whole cutting board and I just sit it down in front of us. And then we just eat off of that, you know? And when I have family over, like we have this big cutting board, I can get up with my kids, someone can tag in and just sit down and start like pulling food off of this big cutting board. It's not like a, uh, a plated thing where we all have to sit and eat at the same time. It becomes like an event, like, okay, oh, I got your kids, man. You go drop down and we'll go hang out over here and then I can slide in and I can eat, you know, that kind of, it's not so much the cooking, but the style of cooking that can fit your family dynamic that I think is what's important at home, you know? Dude, that's awesome. What you just said makes a lot of sense to anybody that's got a family. Those are all, all three of those are great ideas. The, the Especially the last one. The last one especially is something I've never heard of before. The first two, definitely. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And, every, and the reason you're making those, it makes all the sense. That last one though, that's gold. Um, I think that would also create more people talking while they're eating. Um, especially in that community, right? Because the food is the attention well, getter. Yeah. Our other favorite meal is steamed shrimp and onions with like a side of some sort of vegetable. But when you put the pot of the pea, peel and eat in front of us, and then we sit there and we talk as we peel and eat the shrimp because it's interactive. It, 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 it prolongs dinner. It's not like I get a plate and I'm I'm just mowing down because tired from work and peeling a shrimp. We're talking, we're engaging each other. And like the meal facilitates that just by design, you know, it's like a crab feast. You're not getting stuffed on crabs. It's about being around and chatting everybody up, man. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's exactly what it's like. It's almost taking like sushi and, and eating crabs and picking shrimp uh, and, and, and then maneuvering it more to that, that steak chopped up vegetables, chopped up and everything else. People just grabbing stuff. I, I, I love that idea. I think actually I'm, I'm going to try to do that. Cause as you know, that's pretty much all I eat is meat, meat and vegetables. Um, Jay, dude, thank you so much for coming on, man. It, 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 you, you're doing so many great things. A lot of people go on these shows, man, and they get huge heads and they become, you know, not the people that they were. Instead, you go on this show, you win this show, and you come back to your town and you just start doing all these great things for the county and for the city and for these other kids that are out there that, you know, are, are looking up to you. Um, I, I, I got to tell you, man, it's uh, if there were more guys like you in this industry, I, I, I really don't think we would have some of the issues that we have from, like you said, that, that, that mental... Um, that mental strain. And I hope that you get the opportunity to speak in front of people in the industry in the future um, about how to handle this pressure and how to lead teams and things like that. Cause, cause you are a leader, man. There's no question about it. Um, and I believe truly one day, and I know I'll be alive to see it where you're going to have your own spot. And I know it's probably going to be one of the most successful spots in this area. Um, and I'm going to send you this video and I'm going to send you this audio when, it happens and be like, I told you, brother, 
Because I know it's in you, man. I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of when you decide to pull uh, a trigger I, and do it. I appreciate that, Todd, man. I tell you what, if I can leave you with one thing, I've been inspired lately by some great people. They said, do the greatest good, man. Do the greatest good with what you got. And um, I've been given this little, little push it to the max, man. Awesome, brother. Well, hey, listen, um, obviously, this isn't going to be the last time you're on the show. Uh, because again, you, you know, when you win another TV show, or you uh, uh, open up your own restaurant, I'm going to have to have you back on anyway, for press release time. So uh, listen, again, I, I greatly appreciate it. Uh, my love to Lisa and the family. I hope she does. I hope she gets through the pregnancy um, healthy and, and the baby is born healthy and everything. And then I hope you guys enjoyed listening to the episode back too. Well, yeah, I, I plan on it. Man, I appreciate the kind words, brother. I'll see you soon. All right, buddy. This has been a Todd Collins official production in conjunction with Platinum Reputations. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Todd Collins Official or visit us at www.toddcollinsofficial.com. Want to be on the show or become a sponsor? Message us on Facebook and tell us why.